to the Urban Agorist Podcast, episode number 11. My name is James, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Sal Mayweather. Sal is a meme smith, a podcaster, a writer, an entrepreneur, a crypto enthusiast, and a full-time agorist. Before we get into it with Sal, let me tell you about Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom. Libertarian historian Tom Woods has assembled a dream team of libertarian scholars in economics, history, philosophy, logic, and even literature to give you the education that you didn't get in school. Head to urbanagorist.com woods for more information and to sign up today. That's urbanagorist.com woods. And with that, let's get into it with Sal the Agorist Mayweather. All right, Sal, welcome to the show. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've been following you for quite a while. I like I knew you on Instagram as just you know a meme smith, and uh, I saw your name, Sal the Agorist, and um, I didn't realize that there was anybody who actually was an agorist at that point. Like I was like, oh, this guy's just trying to be an edgy ancap. Um, how did you how did you come up on it and? Um, kind of move beyond ANCAPism before everybody else? Um, you know, I got, I sort of got lucky when I discovered the Liberty movement, I was sort of introduced to, uh, introduced to it almost via agorism kind of, I, I <laughs> that is really lucky. early on. Yeah, it, it was, especially considering like Bitcoin and stuff, but like very early on, like when I first found Ron Paul, I was like, I was very intrigued by the whole economic aspects of libertarianism. So I found out that Peter Schiff and Walter Block were two of his economic advisors. I was like, let me look up these guys. And then I start to see like these Peter Schiff was right videos. Uh, and he's basically calling the 2008 uh, housing crisis. And I was like shocked by it. And then I saw Walter Block giving economics lectures, like academic style lectures, explaining the theories that Peter Schiff was using. Mm. And it sort of all just clicked for me. And then I went to um, Porkfest in like 2014 and I like attended seminars on 3D printing. I attended like aquaponics seminars. There was people like using and exchanging cryptocurrency and uh, silver coins. And that was where I really like learned how to live as an anarchist rather than just think like one. Yeah. Then, like, I started reading Konkin when I got when I returned, and I realized, oh wow, this is called agorism. And uh, the philosophy, the more I read, the more I read Konkin, the more I realized there was this whole like articulated philosophy behind it that was sort of distinct from anarcho-capitalism. And I thought uh -huh. that was really appealing. So that's I sort of that the small take. One of the really cool things about it is, um, you know, libertarians are so into logical consistency, and like the rest of the world just doesn't care about logical. Like, I mean, you, you try to argue from logic with like a, just an, any normal person, um, even an intelligent, normal person. And they, they don't, they don't care. Like uh, my dog's barking. So if that, if the mic picks it up, that's whatever. Uh, they don't care about logical consistency. Um, they, they want what works. And that's the, that's the greatest thing in the world to me about agorism is that it's also just so happens to be what works like there have been counter economic actions for the history of humanity and the stronger, yeah. the, the stronger, the powers that be get, the more, the stronger the, the counter economics gets. That's why I think it's sort of inevitable, right? The, the, the more that they fight back, the, the, it's just, you know, it's like for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. It's, it's sort of the same thing in politics and economics. 
every every step that they take, the agorists and the, the black market, the counter economists take two steps uh, towards them. And, and it's sort of in that way that we're going to get to a freer economy, right? Look what happened when they cartelized the taxi cartels. When they, I'm sorry, when they cartelized the taxi business in New York City, that's what spurred, that's what created the demand for someone to create Uber. When they cartelized the hotel industry, that creates the demand for Airbnb. When they devalue the dollar, that creates the demand for sound money, cryptocurrency, and uh, you know, silver coins and stuff like that. So the more that they push, the 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 more that they they just push all of that all of that stuff gets pushed into the the gray and black markets, which I think is wonderful because those are the only truly free and anarchic markets. What do you think? Um, so I was talking to Pear Bielan the other day, and he he made the really good point that even something as like simple and basic as roads uh, is really a government subsidy for industry. Um, where do you think? Where do you think we would be right now as far as sound money, um, logistics, infrastructure? This is a huge question, but uh, where would we be if the state hadn't um, inserted itself so much into infrastructure? Do you ever see those memes where it's like, uh, just says if X, Y, and Z happened, and then in the bottom it was like sort of like the space age? Yeah. That's sort of where I envision like a world of sound money. Uh, you, first of all, we know that you wouldn't have had this whole ginormous welfare warfare state of the 20, 20th century. You wouldn't have had things like World War One, World War Two, and the Cold War because they couldn't have afforded that stuff. You wouldn't have had uh, the Great Society and, and, and all that nonsense, the war against poverty, uh, the whole welfare state. You wouldn't have had that stuff because you couldn't afford it. So mm. that right off the bat, we, we would all be a lot better off without that there would be credit would be a lot tighter right? it'd be, it would be a lot more restricted because there wouldn't be as much easy money floating around. But I think that's good because credit has been too loose, right? I mean, look at the student loan bubble. There's no way that some of these kids should be getting hundred thousand dollar loans with no credit history whatsoever. So you need, you need to sort of retract that credit. And also, you know, when you have a sound money system, you have less cultural degeneracy. You have like a, a more stable, um, values. Mm -hmm. And that's all, you know, Hop, Hop talks a lot about time preference and stuff like that. But I, I firmly believe that if you, if you can get rid of the central bank, sort of everything, all the dominoes sort of will, will fall into place. Yeah. That's why I think cryptocurrency is such a powerful uh, tool. Yeah. I think probably things would be a little bit lower tech. Well, not even lower tech, just like different tech. <clears throat> um, I think that's probably where I, where I differ from like the uh, Ted Kaczynski, for instance, who thinks that technology, I think, is inherently bad. For me, it's like the technology has just been artificially inflated by, you know, by artificial well, infrastructure, I, you know? I, I think we'd, we'd probably be, um, yeah, I disagree with Kaczynski on on in the Amprims, uh, the Jonathan Zerzins of the world. That's all nonsense. I mean, look at what, you know, 3D printing and the blockchain has done to mm -hmm. liberate society and all these other technological advancements. So that I, I dismissed that immediately. Um, you know, and so far as where we'd be as far as, as far as technology, imagine if all of a sudden like people had um, a more stable currency to rely on and they were thinking about investing in the future because, you know, right now as it stands, your money loses value. So you, you have an incentive to spend it today rather than wait, you know, five years. Yeah. If that incentive wasn't there and you did and everybody was saving capital, there would be more money around for investment and production into newer and better resources. The other thing too is um, 
the whole economic concept of timing, right? Like look at something like um, the, the, the moon landing, right? Um, that, that only happened because the state was involved in it. If it was left to a market to do it, and this is the point Walter Block makes in space capitalism is that, you know, maybe we wouldn't have landed on the moon in 1969, but maybe those companies would have been building up more product and research or development or something. And then maybe in, you know, 1989, instead of going to the moon, we built a base there and went to Mars. We, we would be even further ahead of, of the ball than we are today. That's fantastic. I haven't read space capitalism. I have a feeling um, that would answer oh, a lot great. of the questions that I've got actually. Oh, that's um, great. Walter Block's the man. So speaking of 3d printing uh, so you've got a, you've got a 3d printer business. Um, which I think you said that that's your primary your primary means of income at this point, right? Or as far as we know? Yeah, 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 essentially. Um, I, I, I do just general e-commerce. That's sort of one aspect of it. Oh, cool. um, yeah, so that's like the most in the spotlight with like the libertarian community. But I do other stuff like sell like you know, stupid stuff online that's not related to libertarianism. It's like affiliate marketing, content marketing, stuff like that. So and you and oh, so you do you do like all the all the cool online business stuff that uh, like yeah. I'm wearing my I'm wearing my Pat Flynn t-shirt actually under this hoodie. So yes, uh, I've been yes. a, I've been a huge fan of that stuff. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So talk about 3D printing though. What where where is it right now? Why should somebody buy a 3D printer now and not wait five years for the technology to advance a little bit? Well, you know, you, you, you should buy one whenever you're ready. Um, the way I look at it, though, is that the sooner the better. The quicker you can jump in on this, the, the better off you're going to be. Um, you know, the I personally think sooner rather than later you're going to get something like uh, a mandatory buyback or something crazy like that. Uh, and you need to be ready. So, you know, it, 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 let, let's say they come around, they come door to door, and they come for your guns, which is a matter of time. Everybody says, oh, I'm going to shoot back. Well, that's not the proper response. You're going to die, right? You're, you're yeah. going to get yourself blown away by the National Guard or something. And that's not good. So give them your gun. I'm sorry. Give them your guns. Let them take them. But then if you have a 3D printer on site, it doesn't matter. You can yeah. have all my guns because within a day, I'll have them all back again. So that's what you mean when you say that Cody ended the gun control debate. Yeah. Yes. It yeah. just the doesn't matter. Is, right. It does. It's, it's irrelevant at this point. And, uh, you know, Ivan had a lot to do with that, too. Ivan the Trolls. So the two of them, essentially, they've, you know, what the NRA has been paid billions to, to attempt to do, these two young individuals have done just by mm -hmm. creating code, which I think is beautiful, you know? Yeah. Well, and they're also not raking in the billions that the NRA has created. Some, which sort of know. obsessed me because they actually deserve it, whereas yeah, the NRA sure. doesn't, you yeah. know? Exactly. Um, so what else? Uh, so for someone who's not as interested in firearms or, you know, who, for, for whom that's a, that's a great benefit, but also they might want to monetize their 3D printing or just really use it around the house for something. What, what are some of the, what are some of the everyday benefits of owning one? Oh, for sure. Like most of the stuff that I make isn't even like guns and stuff. I'm in a pretty good space. Like I'm in, I'm in Florida right now, which is pretty good for guns. Um, most of the stuff that I make though, isn't even, it's just, you know, stupid trinkets and toys and things around the house. Um, I've got friends who, you know, uh, do like cosplay and they have like full on Iron Man suits that are 3D printed. Oh, wow. um, yeah, you can make anything. I, I also use it when I was into aquaponics. Uh, I had a big aquaponics setup and I was, I would 3D print parts and, and supplies for that. It's good for like hard to find items, um, rapid prototyping, things like that. Uh, I know a few people who have Etsy stores where they'll like make stuff on Etsy. 
um, you know, all sorts of different stuff. Uh, but firearms is just part of it. You know, the, the, the true, um, the real promise of 3D printing wasn't even in um, firearms, right? You're just, really a 3D printer is just disintermediating the manufacturing industry the same way that Bitcoin disintermediated the banking industry. Um, and that includes the firearms manufacturing industry, but it's not, mm. not limited to that. But the real, the real dream and the real hope of, of 3D printing was always integrated with smart contracts, right? The idea was that, um, you know, rather than buying something from uh, walmart.com, you sign on to walmart.com and, and you click download and then your 3D printer in the basement gives you a notification on your phone that 30 minutes later, that, that item, that product is in your basement. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it also, you know, it also helps integrate with the internet of things that way too. So there's, there's a huge ton of, of promise. And just in the last like five years alone, the prices of 3d printers has gone down by, I'd say about 50% or more. So mm. it might be the case that in five or 10 years, um, you know, it, the prices come down even more and the technology increases even more. So. Yeah. Although right now there is kind of that sense of urgency to, um, yeah, to get, you know, <laughs> to arm up, I guess. Um, prepare, right. That, uh, yeah, that, so smart contracts, that reminds me of the Jetsons. I was, uh, we kind of are living in the future. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. let's see what else. So you're in Florida now you, I always knew you as a, as a Jersey boy. What, uh, what happened? Um, you know, I sort of just kind of had enough. Uh, it, it was kind of like messed up because I always loved living in the Northeast. It was pretty great. Like, you know, even despite the high cost of living and the taxes and the terrible, you know, the lack of civil liberties and all that stuff, mm. the, the just being in New York, it was it was always worth it. Like there was always something to do. There was an event or a restaurant or a bar every night we were doing something. And, uh, you know, that sort of went out the window with, you know, Bill de Blasio turned into a literal like ghetto, like a yeah. literal World War II style ghetto at this point. You can't do anything. So I thought to myself, you know, what am I doing? <laughs> up to uh, and in, there's no up point. to and including persecuting the Jews. Yeah, literally, literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're going around Brooklyn rounding up Jewish religious services. So I mean, that just goes to show you. Well, all right. And so you you said that you had also planned on maybe following in Vin's footsteps and going to Saipan or somewhere else in the. Well, my well my 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 real plan. I wasn't even supposed to be here in Florida. My real plan was I was going to be out of the country by now. I was going to be um, I was supposed to be in Southeast Asia at this time of the year, but um, you can't. You, you need to let them stick a Q-tip in your brain to to get out of the country. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not playing that game. That's yeah. not going to happen. So I'm in Florida for now, and it's pretty good. There's no mask requirements. It's not a bad compromise. The weather's nice. But, you know, I want to explore and, and you can't. So, yeah, that's that's cool. I, hopefully, hopefully things will lighten up eventually. I've got a friend who's um, he's his he's been trying to move to Japan to teach English uh, for the last year. And uh, he finally got a date. He's moving January 6th. So we'll see. Just oh, in time nice, for just in time for the inauguration, I guess. Um, but you need that you need that PCR test, though, don't you? I'm sure he'll I'm sure he'll get one. He's, he's oh, right. Right. OK. Um, what a. Well, let's first before we before we go on to like my next bullet point, I guess, um, talk about crypto a little bit. Um, you're I think I think you're kind of an advocate for Bitcoin Cash, right? Yeah, yes, for sure. <clears throat> um, you know, essentially the way I look at it is you have to have a, a 
some sort of, if you want to get rid of the Federal Reserve, you need to have, you need to have a medium of exchange that can compete with their product, that can compete with the dollar. And the only way to do that is to have an efficient medium of exchange, right? It's not going to work if it's not, if it costs money to, to, for me to pay you for, for a good or a service. So if I have to pay just to complete that transaction, that's not, that's not a very saleable or marketable commodity. So Bitcoin Cash has really low transaction fees. Um, it's basically it gets sent back and forth instantaneously. Um, and you can't really do that with other cryptocurrencies. Of the cryptocurrencies that you can do that with, they all lack adoption. The only one that really is, is, has, is both you know, adopted in mass and is an efficient medium of exchange is Bitcoin Cash. So that's the reason why I you know, promote that one for agorist and counter-economic purposes. You know, the biggest problem we have, going back to our, what we said earlier, is the Federal Reserve. And, you know, the biggest tool we have in that fight is Bitcoin Cash. Yeah. What a, so what's the, and I'm a, I'm a complete noob when it comes to this. So forgive me for super elementary questions, but right. um, so here recently, Bitcoin Cash forked, right? Yes, yes. So uh, what does that, what does that mean? And what, what does that mean for people who hold Bitcoin Cash and uh, what does it, I mean, what does it mean from a technical standpoint too? Um, as dumb as you can possibly make it for me. Right, right. So essentially just um, the, the whole Bitcoin Cash network sort of split into uh, two, two, two coins, into two different networks. Oh. And it's really sort of beautiful if you think about it, because um, it all happened because there was this sort of rogue development firm within the Bitcoin Cash ecosystem, it was sort of the main development firm uh, that sort of started to behave in a controversial way. And to me, it's really, it's like I said, it's just beautiful that you can have a decentralized network yeah. extricate someone in a peaceful and voluntary fashion uh, without, you know, no blood, no, no police involved, no nothing. Yeah. It happened all peacefully. And it, it was all based on controversial, their controversial actions. Imagine if we tried to get rid of Jerome Powell. Right. It would be mm-hmm. there would be military in the streets if, if the people tried to remove Jerome Powell from the Federal Reserve. <laughs> uh, literally, there would be yeah. the National Guard would be in New York City. So to me, it just goes and shows you the difference between fiat currency and sound currency. And I, I think it's like I said, I think it's a beautiful thing. But, you know, for the average Bitcoin cash user, it doesn't really mean much at the end of the day. Uh, Bitcoin ABC, which is the, the forked chain, mm-hmm. uh, has zero hash power the last time I checked. In other words, no one is mining it. Like literally okay. no one is mining this coin. So it's basically dead. And I think that's good. I think that's good. So I'm excited. I think, you know, going through these sorts of changes is is, is part of the maturation process for any commodity. Um, right now, I so when I spend crypto, I spend it on gift cards that I can use at other locations. Actually, it might've been you where I heard that from. Um, there's an app called Fold and then another one called Gift with a Y, uh, but yeah. they only take Bitcoin. Where do you where do you spend Bitcoin cash? Because like, like you said, the the to transact with Bitcoin takes forever. I mean, sometimes my transaction just times out and I have to- Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, and the fees are astronomical. It. Yeah. Um, especially now, like when the, when the price is high and the network is congested, it can, it, it's like super expensive. I tried to move like- three or four grand like a week or two ago. And they wanted me to, I was supposed to pay like a hundred or $200 in, in just in transaction fees, which is, you know, absurd. It's crazy. You can't do business this way. So I normally use Bitcoin cash and I, I don't do the whole gift card thing. Um, what I do is uh, I, I, I actually KYC myself and I, I've got the BitPay card. So I just send Bitcoin cash to my BitPay card and it just tops up. And then I can, mm-hmm. you know, let's say if I, send $500 to my card, then I can spend up to $500 uh, 
on cool. my BitPay card. So it, it, for all intents and purposes, it, it normalizes the whole spending experience. Nice. I was looking into BitPay the other day, actually. So uh, maybe maybe I'll look a little bit deeper. Um, yeah, crypto.com is another one. And I think they give you like, I don't know, they check like the differences and like costs and stuff, but crypto.com will give you like a, all sorts of goodies if you sign up for them. Like I think there's like a free subscription to Spotify and some other stuff in there. Oh, nice. Um, oh yeah, okay, cool. So I'll, I'll link to both of those in the show notes too so that the audience can kind of do their own do their own due diligence because I think it's important that we start adopting this stuff uh, and the easier that is, the better. Um, so you mentioned KYC and you pride yourself on being the 3D printer purveyor who doesn't have KYC. Um, I know that means know your customer. I know it has something to do with spying, but uh, can you can you go a little bit deeper into it as to what it is? Um, yeah, yeah. And who's watching it? Of course, of course. Uh, so KYC is just know your customer laws. It's an KYC is a it's an identity verification process that the state forces is financial institutions to put their customers through this way they can track your purchases and if you buy anything illegal they can they know who to come and arrest uh that's why you can't buy heroin or, or drugs or anything like that with your debit card because they're going to know who you are and where you are mm-hmm. um by accepting cryptocurrency we, we we've removed kyc from the whole buying process from the whole purchasing process of 3d printers i i, I sort of noticed the gap in the market there because yeah. uh, that's sort of one of the things you would think people wouldn't want to have their identity tied to. So what a great, this is why Satoshi invented Bitcoin. Yeah. If you read the, the white paper, the whole, the first page is about KYC basically. So uh, yeah, I put two and two together and um, it worked. I'd say about maybe a little bit more than half. I'd say probably about 60% of all of our sales at 3D printed go bear come through in cryptocurrency. So seems to be working. People yeah. seem to like it. Yeah, I do it for with crypto just for the just for the novelty of it. Um, right, if not, right. If not even for worrying about KYC. Uh, what, one other thing, a piece of advice that you give you give kind of a lot is to tokenize your business. Um, what does that What does that mean? Is that Is that the same thing as an ICO? Um, sort of, sort of. Uh, it's It's kind of the same. So to tokenize your business. Um, you know, what I mean by that is rather than going public, right, rather than listing shares of your company onto a stock exchange, by tokenizing your business, you sort of remove the, the SEC and FINRA from the process. Mm-hmm. So now the way it works is, let's say you own this like a, a chain of coffee shops or something like that that's growing, and now you're ready, you, want, you need more capital, whatever the case is, you want to go public. Um, you can list on NASDAQ or something like that. And to do that, you'd have to go through the SEC's registration process, which is ridiculous. It costs you a whole ton of money. You have to pay a team of lawyers basically just to navigate the process. And if you do something wrong, forget it. You'll go to jail for something silly and they'll ruin your life. Yeah. So don't do that. That's that's pointless. And that only adds money to the state's coffers. The, the, the way around that is to use the blockchain, is to... Uh, you know, instead of creating shares of a company, create tokens of a company. I recommend people do this using a simple ledger protocol, which is the the token ecosystem for Bitcoin Cash. I really like it. Um, It's super simple. Anybody really can create a token. Uh, I've created tokens before just playing around and I've sent it to my friends and stuff. And uh, it's very easy. And, you know, like I said, 
this is how agorists are going to remove uh, the fin FINRA and SEC from the process. And by doing that, what's going to happen, if you think about it, is now all of a sudden everybody in the world is going to have access to all this additional capital, which will sort of unleash like this whole wave of innovation um, that I, I'm really looking forward to. Mm -hmm. What is uh, so what is what does that look like in practice, tokenizing? Is it a do, do people purchase tokens and then just sit on them or are they using them like, I, I don't even know what that means to be honest. So yeah, so you can go to uh, mint.bitcoin.com and uh, you can create uh, your own token, as many of them as you want with, you know, all the different parameters built in as you see fit uh, and then distribute them to whoever, whomever you see fit. So, you know, let's say for example, um, let's say your business was worth $10,000. You want to create 10,000 tokens. You would go to mint.bitcoin.com uh, and simply just, you know, mint out 10,000 tokens. And if your business is worth, you know, whatever it is, you can divvy up the cost between the amount of tokens mm -hmm. and that's what you could uh, offer them for sale for. So it's, it's essentially just like shares only without the, without the yeah, without the added baggage of a, of a stock right. exchange. Oh man. I know it's brilliant. And people, most people don't even understand this concept yet. I, I try, when I explain this to most people, you just get this dumb look in their eyes. Most people don't understand what that means, like the implications of that. What a, so how, how easy would it be for, like if, if you sold me a token of 3D printer Go Burr, uh, would I then be able to sell that to somebody else? Would I need your approval? Would I'd be able to like sell no, a portion you, you, of it. You could trade them. That, that, that's a beautiful thing. You could trade them as you see fit. You know, there's no, there's and, no, no oversight whatsoever. What does that look like? Is, is it is it denominated as Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or whatever, or is it like a, a, a BRR token or whatever? Well, it would be like um, like you you would come up with the ticker symbol. So it would be okay. like like you know ABC it would be the ticker symbol, and then whatever the uh, you know associated value is per coin is up to you. Cool. Um, man, that's definitely something to look into. And maybe, uh, maybe somebody would, would like to do a course on that someday. Um, I know. And like the, the, the thing about it is that, that no one seems to really grasp is that we're, you know, are you, are you familiar with like the Cambrian explosion? How like at that certain point, in like the, the history of, of earth, like there was just this whole blossoming of like different, like life forms all in the ocean and everywhere. We went from like a couple forms of life to like, you know, millions of different life forms. That's what we're going through with tokenization right now. We're going through this sort of tokenbrian explosion. Everything is going to be tokenized in five to 10 years and people don't see it yet. Is, uh, this, is, this is why I try to tell people like it's, you, you, might, you might think you're late to getting in on the Bitcoin train, but if you get in today on the tokenization, yeah. you, you're, you're still have plenty of time to, to make a boatload of money. Are there are there any experts on that that um, could actually teach a class on it? Or w w I mean, would would that be you? Or no, I'm not like a cryptographer or a computer science like oriented individual. I'm just sort of in it for the counter economics. Um, <clears throat> I've got a buddy, uh, Gabriel Cardona. He used to do R and D at Bitcoin.com, and he's moved on to like other projects now. But he coined the whole term Tokambrian explosion, and uh, he's sort of my go to guy on all of this. Great. I, uh, I'm, I'm going to edit this part out, but um, Thad made me director of education for his Agora University or whatever he's calling oh, it, nice. school, the, the School of Agorism. So uh, cool. I'm in charge of finding professors. So <laughs> very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So that's pretty neat. Um, 
Yeah, I saw you had an uh, an episode with him, and I didn't even I didn't even I don't think I've even listened to it. Yeah, I think we probably went over like the Tokyo explosion. I think in okay. that episode. Great, cool. Well, I'll make sure to look into it. Um, okay, great. So tokenizing businesses. What other ways are there for uh, for counter economists to sort of prosper right now? Because you know, I mean, we're we're in it's cliche, but we're in really uncertain times, and. Uh, there's no telling what's going to happen with the mainstream economy. Right. Um, you know, the rest of the world is in unstable times, but, but the counter economists aren't, we're, yeah. we're thriving. Everything is, is, is well for us. Bitcoin is at, you know, nearing all time highs, gold and silver are, are going up and up and up just as we predicted. Um, the agorists who followed Konkin's advice and, and, remove themselves from the whole wage slave uh, sector of the economy and entered into entrepreneurship, they're doing well. Uh, so, so, you know, it's, it's really just the, those who are stuck in the status paradigms that are suffering. Um, you know, it's so in, insofar as what can people do to secure their prosperity? I tell them, you know, become your own bank, get a 3D printer and grow your own food. Those are the three ways, I think. There's probably the three easiest ways that you can uh, protect yourself against what's coming. What is uh what does it mean to be your own bank? Yeah, so uh essentially like if you think about it, obviously the whole banking cartel assist the whole banking system is corrupt and crooked and you really have to remove yourself from it because if you're not, you're you're just you're being robbed from. You're just allowing yourself to be like a a well from which Goldman Sachs draws water. Mm-hmm. Um so that, that that's not an ideal situation. So the way I do it, the way I've become my own bank is by using a combination of cryptocurrency and precious metals. And I use cryptocurrency for exchange purposes, like I use like the BitPay card and Bitcoin Cash. Um and I use precious metals for savings. Um uh it's the only way, frankly, to store your value is by using gold and silver. Crypto is too volatile and fiat is, is devalued. So that's the way I do it. Um, and there's, you know, all sorts of different ways you can, you don't, you don't need a bank to give you investment advice or loans or anything like that. Whatever service a bank provides you with, there is some alternative out there in the cryptocurrency space. So it doesn't make sense to me to, to fund the, the the famine in Yemen if I don't have to. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so there's even the, not just a personal interest. There's there's a completely um, like moral standpoint as well to come from with this kind of thing. Well, that's that, that's the only um, interest really for me yeah. is is getting rid of the the crooks of the Federal Reserve. And you know, like I said, I don't want to be forced to pay to enslave my friends and family. I don't want to be paid. I don't want to have to pay for their next war that they dream up or the next bailout, the next stimulus package. You know, I don't, I'm tired. I don't want to pay for deltas because they've mismanaged their airline. It's ridiculous that American people have to pay for this stuff. So use Bitcoin and stop paying for it. (laughs) Stop, you know, instead of asking them nicely and begging politicians to, uh, you know, stop robbing you, take it, take matters into your own hands and become your own bank. So... What do you think of uh, um, the, uh, uh, the like the really small cap coins um, that people would maybe want to like trade in as sort of a speculative thing? I'm thinking uh, like Digibyte and Dogecoin and all those things that are, you know, a few cents. Right. Yeah. Um, I love them. 
I, I love them. And, uh, you know, during the ICO boom, a lot of people made a lot of money. A lot of gorists made a whole bunch of money. Um, <laughs> but uh, the problem with some of those little altcoins is that they lack adopt, uh, they lack uh, adoption. So yeah. they might have great fundamentals. They might function great as a medium of exchange, like a lot of them do. Like, for example, Nano is a great coin. Their fundamentals are wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, but no one takes it. You can't use it anywhere. So if you can't spend it, then it, it, it lacks liquidity. It lacks saleability. No one wants it for exchange purposes. So, uh, you know, I hope to see that change. I want to see a very competitive and diverse ecosystem of cryptocurrencies. Um, but right now, like I said, the only efficient medium of exchange that also is, is widely adopted is Bitcoin Cash. Mm -hmm. All right, great. So, uh, in uh, sort of in the way of being your own bank, um, most people are still employed and they're collecting a paycheck. Uh, is there a way to get around your checking account before getting your money, your your dollars into crypto? Like, I mean, are there any? Do you know if there's any services that just take ACH from your employer and convert it directly? Oh, you mean like a direct deposit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is. Um, if you go to Bitwage.com. There's a great little company. They've been around forever. You got everything. They can actually, uh, they'll actually direct deposit crypto right into your Bitcoin wallet. Your paycheck can be direct deposited. Um, oh man, way, they'll I, even work with the employer. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they really streamline the whole process. They've been around for a long time. Oh, how cool! I think I think a better way to do it, honestly, is to approach your employer. And, you know, offer them, uh, you know, a, a reduced wage for compensation in crypto. And that might sound crazy. People might be thinking to themselves, but Sal, I don't want to work for, I don't want to work for less, but that's not the case. Because if you factor in uh, the Fed's inflation, you're going to make money just off of the rise in, in, uh, in prices. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, yeah. And I, I might even just send that to my HR lady. I don't know if I'm ready to. Take a you wage. can even have like, if I remember correctly, Bitwage will allow you to um, just have like a portion of your check. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to have the whole thing deposited. Um, so what are some other ways, uh, what are some other methods of self-sufficiency? I think, I think being your own bank is so cool. Like, I mean, you, you make it, you make it so commonsensical, you know, I mean, you right. store your, you store your money mm -hmm. in, in stable things like precious metals. Uh, what about a, what about more growth oriented investments similar to the stock market or, um, you know, retirement savings or stuff like that? Right. So there's like all different um, alternatives, like whatever service you, like, you know, you're looking for, there's, there's an agorist alternative, um, you know, and so far as like investments go, uh, there's a lot of great options. I think trading coins and crypto is a great counter-economic way. There's, mm -hmm. I know people who have gotten stupid rich, stupid, stupid rich by trading uh, crypto like you would trade Forex, like you trade currencies. Um, I've got a buddy who, this Russian dude who lives in Bali, uh, who just, you know, he just does nothing basically. He just hangs out and trades crypto and he makes, you know, millions of dollars. It's kind of silly how much money this guy makes. But the good thing about trading crypto is that, you know, they're providing a service to the counter economy because mm -hmm. when the price gets too high, the trader senses an opportunity and they sell. 
or when it gets too low, vice versa. So it's in that way that the trader sort of helps prices remain stable and, and stay at equilibrium, which encourages adoption, right? It makes people less scared to, to invest in crypto. So they are contributing to the counter economy in a great way. And that's a great way to make a bunch of money. Um, you know, also check out BlockFi has, has a good savings account where it's like, I think it, the minimum is like really high. I think you have to, you can, they'll give you up to 8.6 APY. Um, but I think, uh, like I said, I think it, like the minimum deposit is like 20 or $30,000 for if you want to get that high of a rate. So those are two good, good options to check out. And then, like I said, the third one that I would recommend is to tokenize um, a business. And invest you know, in tokens. To- yeah, right. You know, if you see somebody out there whose company is is tokenized, um, you know, th- you can already tell that they're ahead of the curve. And by the way, um, that's only one use of, of tokens, right? There's other ways you can do it, like content tokenization is is another way <clears throat> to use tokens. Like right now, Mark Zuckerberg profits off of any post that you make on Facebook, but in a in a tokenized model, like like mines, for example, you get paid off of that, that content. Yeah. It's, is that, is that similar to what the brave browser does where uh, you can, you can just give someone BAT for stuff that you um, like I, that they post? It, you know, I'm not really sure exactly how BAT works, but I know with mines, like the more people who, who interact and engage with your post, the more mines tokens you'll be given. And also mm-hmm. you can send people who uh, tokens that you really like and stuff like that. It's really, it works out really well because then you could um, you could use those tokens to uh, boost a post. So let's say like you have like a, a promotional post, you can and you have ten tokens, you can get up to ten thousand additional views or impressions uh, using those tokens, which is great. You know that's that's what it's there for. Yeah, that is pretty great. Uh, another way that's worth mentioning, real quick, is. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Doke token, which is like a, sort of the worst alternative to healthcare services. And you could buy, I think it's called like MCT or something like that. And uh, essentially you could, and you could buy and sell and trade these tokens, you know, freely, but these tokens can be used and exchanged for real healthcare, healthcare services. So like you can make like telemedicine appointments with doctors and pay for it using dope tokens. So, you know, the, the, the future is now. <laughs> and that's fantastic. All right. How do you spell, how do you spell dope token? Just so I know where to, where to uh, it's just DOC token. Okay. And I think, or, you know, I think it might just be doc.com if I remember correctly. Okay, and cool. then I know, I know the token is MCT. Oh, there it is. Yeah. I see it. Currency token. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So if someone were to, wanted to just get into peer-to-peer trading, um, I mean, you know, anybody can use Coinbase or like Uphold, um, but they're going to get a 1099 at the end of the year. Um, what if somebody wanted to do that, like actually counter-economically? Check out local.bitcoin.com. This is a, a great way to do all sorts of trading in a way that doesn't require KYC. Um, it's all peer to peer. It's there's no centralized mm. party to you know oversee the transfer of funds. So that's that also means you have to be you have to be more careful though too because a lot of times at these peer to peer exchanges like um, you know that's just one of them, but also local coin swap, local cryptos, local bitcoins. Yeah, they're sort of magnets for scammers. Yeah, it all seemed kind of shady when I was on there a few months ago. So. <clears throat> 
It is. It is. Um, and you, you have to be careful because um, what will happen is like people will they'll do some sort of phishing scam. They'll gain access to Joe Schmo's bank account and then they can't go spend Joe Schmo's money. So what they'll do is they'll trade it to somebody uh, for crypto, send the crypto to their to their wallet. Now they have clean money. So that, that's and then you get stuck with the bill once the person uh, does a chargeback on their PayPal account or something. So you have to be careful. But if you do it properly and you stick with the escrow system, you should be all right. Cool. Um. What else? What do you? What uh? What are some of the things that are interesting you right now, other than what we've already talked about? Oh man. Um, well, we've got a few projects here um, that we're working on. Uh, one of the ones that I think is, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I haven't even, I don't even know if I've spoken publicly about it yet, but it's still sort of just leaving the brainstorming phase. We're going to actually be taking, um, we plan on taking SLP NFTs, which are just non fungible tokens. Uh, essentially, they're unique tokens that you can identify. And what we're going to do is we're going to create a political Deadpool. And you're going to be able to buy, like, let's say, like, we're going to make like 100 tokens, each representing some disgustingly old parasite, like, you know, the Ayatollah or Queen Elizabeth or Joe Biden or, you know, Raul Castro, someone like that. And we'll assign them a token. You'll be able to buy the token. And then the first one that dies will get a payout. Um, and, you know, <laughs> that is so morbid. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So hopefully that that'll be a. a we're, I'm just we're just trying to think of ways that we can get the whole community involved in in, in the Bitcoin Cash community in in a way that's sort of like fun and engaging. You know. Um. What and about profitable. a? What about uh, unloose the goose? So you're you're part of that you're part of that gaggle now. Uh, I think you you kind of replaced Vin Armani when he when he decided to go off and do other things. Is that? Is that right? I, I, you know, I think that um, the way that, that that works is they're just going to sort of try to uh, accumulate as many gross as possible. Yeah, yeah I noticed then, CJ uh, Kilmer's on there now too. Yes, yeah, CJ's on. So it's right now it's me, Jack, um, Jack Spierko, John Bush, Xavier Hawk, Pete Canones, Nicole Sauce, and uh, CJ Kilmer. Curtis Stone was was in there. I'm not sure if he still is or isn't, or if he's just taking a break. He might be back. I don't know. And he's the he's the urban homesteader in Canada, right? Is that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I've been watching his YouTube videos for years. I had no idea that we were um, even aligned politically. I just thought he had cool yeah. YouTube videos. Yeah. If you want to learn how to grow your own food, that is yeah. the guy. That's, that's sure. the number one expert to talk to. Yeah. I tried to get in touch with him. I'll, I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to interview some uh, homesteaders, especially someone who, to, who, you know, calls himself the urban homesteader being that I'm the urban agorist podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Although I'm joking, I'm joking. I might have to become the country, the country agorist here pretty soon. Just I, I'm in Minneapolis. So like right in the, right in the heart of the kind of. Oh man. Is, is that, um, you're in Ilhan Omar territory, yeah. right? Isn't that yeah. district? Actually my, <laughs> my partner's grandfather owns the building where her offices are located and he's like a diehard Republican. He's just taking her money, but we, 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 we always joke about that. Um, okay, great. Uh, so I guess this is, uh, this is the part where we kind of wind it down. Um, unless you, do you have anything else that, uh, that you're working on? Um, I mean, we're always working on all kinds of stuff, but that's probably the most, uh, interesting thing, most interesting project we have right now. Um, I'm also working on some ways to like get people to create more like non KYC entry and exit points yeah. for people using like different ways of doing uh, like, you know, 
engaging the system in ways that you don't have to access those sort of sketchy exchanges. But yeah, that's still sort of in the brainstorming phase. So we'll see so how it all plays out. You're looking for you're you're actually looking for real ways to put agorism into action, which I I, I think is yeah, of you course. Know, needed and very admirable. Um, all right, great. Well, uh, where can people find you? Uh, Stadigoris.com is where I usually have most of my stuff. Um, also, you follow me on social media, whatever platform you're on, I'm, I'm there as well. And uh, I write for Agoris Nexus and newlibertarian.io. You can see some of my blogging. I've got an article coming out on the ladder about COVID probably the next day or two. And then uh, Unloose the Goose every Wednesday, live on YouTube. Uh, that alternates between 5.30 and 8, I think, every one. We alternate every week, the, uh, the time. And then I have a podcast, the Agora. So I don't know, so that's a mouthful, but I'm all over the internet right now. So yeah, it's great. You're very, you're, I mean, you're, you're probably the, the most out front person in sort of the agorism space. So uh, anyway, I appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Let's do it again. Yeah, for sure. We'll talk soon. See you later. Cool. Thanks again to Sal the Agorist Mayweather for joining me today for episode 11 of the Urban Agorist podcast. As always, you can find today's show notes at urbanagorist.com slash 11. You can find links to all of Sal's social media presence, his podcasts, his blogs, and all of that good stuff, along with, once again, Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom, where you can go for the liberty education that you didn't learn in school. That is at urbanagorist.com slash woods. Happy Thanksgiving if you're listening to this on the day that it's released. And I will see you in the next episode of the Urban Agorist podcast. Until then, live free. This is the way-